500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the ghost who walks enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom he finds G'day everyone, for those who came in late, you're listening to X-Band, the Phantom Podcast. This is episode 110, um, which is uh, going to be, uh, I'll, well, you've set, you've read the topic, but we'll talk it through in a moment after I've welcomed my fellow X-Banders. Um, Jermaine, how are you, mate? Not bad, mate. Um, yeah, yeah, tired, but... That's to be expected with a with a baby that doesn't sleep. <laughs> yes, when you're going through that stage of um, trying to get them to, through the entire night, um, you, oh, you know, it's, it's not a lot of fun. <laughs> I've only just started getting the four year old uh, sleeping through the through the <laughs> night on her own. So you got three more years of this then. Oh yeah, uh, I'll be fully grey by then. <laughs> <laughs> yep, or you can just shave off like I do. <laughs> Uh, uh, now, no Stephen tonight, um, which does not mean a special guest, unfortunately. It's just, uh, <laughs> we, we, we might have thought that. We're but... talking about special people, so maybe that's the... Uh, that's it. That's the relation. We do actually have, is it four um, special guests lined up sort of over the next, and I'm not going to put a, a time frame on it, but over the next little period of time, the next... No, we got more than that. We've got about six. Yeah, so so there are a bunch of special guests in the pipeline, um, creators for the most part that people have been clamouring for, that they want us to interview, they want us to talk to, and, and a few surprises too, I think, that might come from a bit of left field, mm. but uh, but still people will enjoy them. Um, so those yes. are, those are lined up, conversations are happening, and uh, we're, we've got dates lined up and all that sort of thing. But in the meantime, we thought we would... And, and, and some of those podcasts have been like about a year, like one's been over a year in the making, yes. about a year and a half, and another one's I've been working on for the last, well, we've been working on for the last six months and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So a lot of these, um, actually, no, it's two over six months. Mm. A lot of them are, have been long in the works. Yes, and they're all just sort of coming together at the moment, so... Mm. Um, and in the meantime, of course, coming up, we've got to we've got to do a comics and news because um, the, those those comics still keep coming out. The news still keeps coming, um, yes. so we'll make sure we keep you up to date with those sorts of things. But tonight's a little bit of a different one, where I think again, again, a bit of fun. But this is a, another one that we've probably been talking about offline for uh, again six to eight months, where we've just had yeah. a bit of chitter chatter back and forth um i guess it's it's good timing given that we've just done our best of 2018 and we were talking about our top three uh, covers and our top five stories and that sort of thing what we're going to look at today is try as best as we can to have a look at the nearly now a month away from 83 years of phantom history and identify the top 20 phantom folk who have been um, it was so important or super important to the the creation, the sharing, the distribu- distribution, um, the the promulgation of the Phantom, and uh, how and and when you <laughs> this has been a really tough exercise. Jermaine and I we we haven't shared each other's lists, have we? No, no, we haven't. 
And um, how how easy was it? Because we're talking top 20. We're going to do our top 20. How easy did you find it to settle on your top 20 individual people or um, groups of people uh, over the last 83 years? Um, I think the top eight or the top seven for me was a no-brainer. The order was a little bit. And then trying to squeeze five people into the last three spots in the top ten. To make your top ten, yep. <laughs> and then probably about 15 to 20 was, um, yeah, it was extremely hard. And I probably, I've had, I've had my list probably for the last six months. You know, I've, you know, we've talked about it. I've talked mm. about it with, um, with other people, uh, with who's, you know, some people's opinions that I, um, respect and stuff and i reckon the last five spots is probably swapped at least three four times and i had to go over it again today uh, i've even got i've got i think i've got four or five names that uh yeah four names that are unlucky to to get into the top uh top 20 uh that are kind of like you know just hanging out and depending on how things go they might squeeze into the top 20 or they might even squeeze out of the top 25 into the top 50 in the next 10 years. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and, and just for those that were wondering, we have not included ourselves in this list. Um, <laughs> I, I was going to say, just, just through um, pure humility, we decided that much like the competition for the Fruit Crew badges, we can't be entered into this because otherwise, obviously, you know, we'd be there somewhere. So um, the top 20 fandom people without the Chronicle Chamber. <laughs> Sorry, Joe, um, but, if you're listening, um, you're, you're not going to be on the list. <laughs> yeah. Now, we, um, you've got the criteria, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, okay. And look, uh, this is... Um, the, the criteria basically is... Um, and, and I'm going to quote from what Jermaine um, wrote to me earlier today, and then we'll just bounce around and just talk a bit about how we interpreted this. But um, basically, the idea was someone who's influenced the Phantom in... The world, and I think that's the important thing is we're trying mm. to go global. Um, we're yes. a pair of Australians sitting down um, the you know the bottom of the of the globe, but we we try to be as globally aware as we can. Um, so this is um, fan of people who have influenced um, and spread the word, if you like, or, or um, you know got the got the phantom popular around the world as best as best as we can interpret um so it's global um there are obviously going to be people who are particularly influential in particular countries um yes. who who's then influence might spread over we'll see you know that's going to be open to interpretation uh, interpretation a little bit we want to talk about what they've done what they've created what they've published and what they've promoted um, mm. I think it's, and certainly as I was going through, and I think you acknowledge this too, obviously we're probably going to be a little bit biased towards people um, who, who we're going to try very hard not to be biased towards Australians, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, it's very... And I think also people that are more recent as well. It's, it's like with any list, uh, it's easy to yes. recognise the people that you have seen but this yeah. you know and there's a lot of history that we have fandom history that we have not seen yes and in a sense we are almost reliant on people telling us how good they were yes um or how influential these people were yeah. and i'm sure there's a couple of names in my list that um you know that that basically are in you know that are in that list purely because of how influential 
someone has told me they were to to you know like a snowball effect they might have started off small and mm. because of what they've done has now snowballed snowballed yep. 20 30 years down the track yep. to our era yep. so um and i yep. think we will make mention of those as well so um and a good example, uh, I don't want to give it away. Oh, no, I won't, won't no, give it away. I'll away. talk about it when I mention this yep. person, That's why fine. I've got them probably in the 15 or 20, where if we were just talking about Australia, he would, he would easily be in the top 10. Okay. Um, okay. So that's... You know, where we're trying to do a, a worldwide mm. balance rather than just Australia. As best we can for a couple of... Um millennials if i can say um who, who who are looking back over the history of time as we've interpreted i think we are in a lucky position where we've both had conversations with some true phantom greats mm. um mm. And, and and some of uh, many of which most of which um the listeners have also heard or, or can go back and listen to and of course i'm talking there and um the the Cyberries, the Ulf Grandbergs, the pete Klauses, who have yep. been true uh, that they've been there they've they've talked to the people who we're going to talk about and all the rest of it. So anyway, yeah. um, that's probably Well, those, <laughs> those three are all in my top 20. I've only got two of those three in my top 20. So, um, yeah. And so I we're, think, we're, and, we're different already. <laughs> yeah. And I think it will be. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to do our top five. So like you're going to do your top five or I'll do my top five and then we'll talk about why we've rated them where we have and then we'll have a bit of a chat and then we'll go to the other persons and then we'll do the next five for the top 10 and then we'll do 11 to 20 and then um, okay. we'll go there. And then should we try and do a combined top 20 or do you think that might be more of a... Um, oh, I think uh, if anything, that's a written article. Um, I think a written might, article? We, yeah. we don't want to be here till midnight or, or for another four hours. Um, and Debating when we're if doing, someone deserves 14th or 15th spot. Yeah. When we're talking about a top 20, this could go for a long time. So we don't even know if yeah. it's going to be a two-parter yet. So we'll see how we go. <laughs> All right. So did you uh, did you want me to go first or do you want... So you want, it, so you want to go through your top five? And I'll then... go through my top five. I'll talk why I've... So I'll do my top five. Then I'll yep. discuss why I've rated them in that order. Yep. And then if you have any questions to me, yep. you can ask me. Okay. Like, say, you might say, well, what about this person? Why wasn't he in your top five? And then I might say, well, there's juggle between him and such and such, and I've based on this, this, he's higher. And then you can go your top five, and then I'll ask you some questions in your top five, All and right. we'll do our six to ten, and then we'll finish it off with the um, with the end. Okay. We probably should have talked about I was probably thinking, let's just go, who's our one, who's our two, who's our three, that sort of thing. But anyway. Yeah, no, I, th I think we go top. F I think we could do like five and then ten and then okay. the last ten, just because I think, um, uh, yeah, I, I think we'll do that. Okay, all right, all right. So, Jermaine, who, in your opinion, in rank order, are the top five phantom people of all time? Okay, well, uh, no guess for number one. I think I think we will all agree on that, which is Lee Fork. Um, you know, without him. You know, we wouldn't be talking to each other. We wouldn't know each other. He has created many friendships around the world uh, and, and stuff like that. So that's, that's a no-brainer. Now, the second one, I think the second one's Cy Barry. I've gone Cy Barry, mm. and then I've gone Ray Moore, and then Wilson McCoy, and then Elf Granberg. Now, I've gone in that order. I must admit, I, I wanted to rate Ray Moore higher, purely... Uh, 
because he was there at the beginning, you know, he helped co-create the Phantom. He had a lot of influence. He brought Devil into it. You know, he brought the mysteriousness and stuff like that. But I just felt that Cybarry's influence was longer, you know, 30 years compared to 10 to 15 years. And even now, he is still seen as, you know, the the Phantom artist. Like, you know, there was that Herms picture and everyone was like, oh, he's still has got it at 90 years old. And, you know, we've talked to him and stuff like that. And then what he's influenced, you know, the whole Sparta, basically, if you wanted a job at Sparta for Tally, you had to draw like Cybarry. You know, so that was purely why with that. And then I've gone Ray Moore, and I've gone Ray Moore above Wilson McCoy purely because he was there at the beginning. Um, and then I've gone Wilson McCoy now. Wilson McCoy cops a lot of criticism, but I think people enjoy his art more they see it and they get an understanding of it. And he was also there for the creation of things like Eden, Julie, uh, which was the girl phantom, um, uh, the Jungle Patrol, um, and then a lot of the, like, uh, the Good Mark ring. Uh, he also explored the Skull Mark ring and stuff like that. So a lot of the phantom lore that we know and we establish as law and that has to be the phantom was actually done by wilson mccoy he's probably the biggest he probably had the most influence from creating law than any of the other other two big ones in cyberry and ray moore so i got wilson mccoy at number four and then i got elf granberg at number five now I did tell Elf that, Elf that I had him at the top five. Uh, he was very humble and he said um, he probably didn't deserve that. But what Elf did, uh, you know, we've got the podcast. Go back and listen to it. But just a couple of things that, in my opinion, show his importance is he brought Egmont or Semic stories to Australia, which, in my opinion, those news stories helped kept through alive. Um, he all, was also influential in uh, Tony Dupont getting the newspaper strip as uh, gig as the writer. I believe that if it wasn't for him, uh, we wouldn't have a newspaper strip at the moment. So Elf was big in that one. And just the pure numbers, what was it, 30, 40 years, he was, in, he was editorial and on Team Phantom. And so he rounds out my top five. Okay. And, and a very, uh, very valid and worthy top five, I think it is. It's not mm. going to surprise you that I um, disagree <laughs> with your top five. Um, and in fact, uh, and oh, I don't know, perhaps I've cheated a little bit here. I've got a, um, uh, in the sense that I've probably looked at what is a person for tax purposes um, in terms of creating my top five. So my top five. Um, I 100% agree, Lee Fork. Obviously, everybody has got him as number one. If you're if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking to yourself, um, who's the most important fandom person in the world, and you didn't come down on Lee Fork, you probably need to find another podcast because you probably <laughs> don't know the fandom well enough. Um, obviously, he's number one for all the reasons that you said. Um, I had Ray Moore in second place, um, mm. and and you made. Great, uh, great reasons why Cy Barry should probably be in second. I didn't quite get Cy into second place. I put Ray Moore in second because of uh, just being there at the start. And um, yeah. you, you talked about the snowball effect. Everything else had to come from those those first five, ten years of strips. And uh, without Ray Moore doing the job that he did and creating the Phantom that he did, I don't know that 
Cyberry would have um, there wouldn't have been a phantom for Cyberry to draw. So, true, true, so true. snowballing in that sense. Then in third place, uh, this is where I've done my little bit of um, trickery, I suppose. Um, I've got King Feature Syndicate in third spot. Yeah. Um, and I know we, we we sort of bantered about this again five six months ago. We haven't we literally haven't discussed our lists since then. Um, I think King Feature Syndicate. Um, the individuals, I don't know any of their names. Um, yep. I, I probably do. I could probably find out names or, or, or drag them out. But without, obviously, their their support, their backing of the fandom, their, their working of the strip into newspapers, um, it wouldn't be where it is. So to the very many editors and, um, and um, all the rest of them, I don't even know what the titles are of these faceless men and women who are mm. behind King, Vinge- King, King Features. Um, for me, they have to go in number three. Cy Barry, for all the reasons you said, um, in fourth, um, uh, really modernised the Phantom, brought him into um, what was then the modern world in the 60s and 70s, and uh, Wilson McCoy rounds out my top five, um, and again, for all of the reasons that you said. So I guess, um, and spoilers, Ulf Grunberg is coming in at six for me. He slipped out on the grounds of King Features coming in. Yeah, um, I've, it's a he, King Features as a whole is in my top twenty as well. Okay. Um, so, like you, you raise brilliant point where, in a sense, maybe it's not the most influential people, but it, like them as an organisation, and I've actually got two other nameless people in my top 20 oh, as well. Okay. Um, but, yeah, no, you, you raise a good point. Um, I wanted to put them higher, but I just, I, I must admit, I had them lower purely based on the fact that I don't know who it was. Like, I almost put it down as the person who signed up, Lee Fork. Well, that, that'd be just about number one, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, but, that's but, yeah. how I almost put it as well, is, you know, that nameless person who no one's probably... Who knows who he, who his name is yeah. 80 odd years down the track. Um, but yeah, I, I could, I totally understand why you've got him through. Interesting. You've gone Ray Moore and I've, so you've basically gone of the, who set it up was more important than who modernized it. So yes. I completely, I understand that argument and I'm not surprised. Like for me, I had, I originally had Ray Moore second as well and Cy Barry third. And it's probably only been after I've seen probably what made the final decision for me was mm. the fact of seeing Cyberry's work in the last couple of years where going. people are still going, people are still buying it. Like yeah. we saw that picture for Herms Press today, um, that coloured one. We've seen um, when he goes to New York, people are still lining up for it. Uh, people are still buying his work. People are still buying, you know, must be said, a simple sketch cover of just a face in pencil and are still paying, you know, $100 for it um, and, and stuff like that. So that mm. basically was the reason why. I own the Signature Series. Um, that sold out as well. That would yeah. be one of the only three issues that is sold, uh, of the Signature Series that have sold out. So that were, the, that were the reasons why, but... um. Yeah. That, that more modern influence, or continuing to today. Yeah. I, you know, I, can, I can understand that. But, that uh, ongoing legacy, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Where, you know, 
um, we did that Ray Moore piece just recently to celebrate his death, mm. um, or was it his birthday? I can't remember now. 35 um, years since he died, I think, was the... Yeah, yeah, the and it must be said that didn't really generate much interest or people weren't really celebrating it or people weren't really commenting and saying thank mm. you and stuff like that. Whether he's, you know, he's dead, he's gone, he's forgotten, but, you know, I, I, I don't see Cyberi being forgotten as much as Ray Moore has. No, and I can certainly understand the argument for him being more influential across the 80 years. Um, mm. But I think, and, and a few of my decisions as we go through the list, are, there's going to be a couple, I think, out of left field. And for me, they're often the ones who started something and yep. uh, the rest follows from there. So, and, and I guess on those grounds, that's why I had Ray ahead of Simon. Mm. Mm. Yep. Cool. So do you have any other comments regarding mine? No, look, oh, completely valid, completely worthy, and um, mm. yeah, no, it's, it's yeah, we we both got um, basically the same order, um, except yeah. I've thrown King Features in in higher than you have apparently. So, um, so have you got King Features in six through to ten? Well, let, let's go through that. No, I've got still no. You haven't got King, got features, King features in your top ten. Fifteen to right, twenty. I'm, I'm, is that how far back they are? Yeah, oh, mainly. And I'll mainly mainly because um, mainly because I don't know who it is, um, and um, they just I don't know they were kind of they I, I don't know I wanted to put them higher, and you know I might even change my mind by the time we uh, finish this <laughs> podcast by the time I get to it, but um, well, I, I'm I, a little bit staggered I got to say because as I say I've got them third. Um, and quite possibly they could easily have been first in in a sense. Yeah. And you either have them not even in your top fifteen. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I might change them to top to the fourteenth one just to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think this is. I think five to ten is going to is going to be a little bit more interesting because I think this is where possibly it will change and be a little bit different. Okay. So I'll go six to ten. So I got Clace from Murphy. Okay. Um, now, I originally had him a little bit lower, but just again with what I said, his longevity, and he has brought a lot to the fan. He, you know, he's basically Team Phantom End's sole rider for the last. Oh, he's been riding since the late eighties. So you know, you do the maths. That's what coming up to his, you know, twenty-five, thirty years. Yep. Yeah, actually no, thirty-five 30, years. 35, yeah. yeah, so that's that's a long time. That's as you know, he, he's been basically riding as long as you know. As Cyberry was drawing. Yeah, and you know we had Cyberry at that. Um, I've never, you know, never talked to Clace, uh, never emailed him or anything like that. He'd be one that I would love to, oh. um, but I've got him six. Purely, you know, based on that. Uh, seventh, I've got Jim Shepard. Oh. Um, now, you can knock Jim as much as you want, but... And you the, have. And I have. <laughs> um, you know, and I have been a critic of what he's done, but I grew up with Jim Shepard. He, the way he did it in the late 80s and the early 90s, he brought the Phantom... Um, now... To be fair, he did have a lot of help with things like the movie um, and and stuff like that, and 
you know, the Phantom Clubs and stuff like that. But I think a lot of that has come from what he has done. Um, he has come the closest to reproducing every Lee Fork yes. story unedited and uncensored. Mm. Um, Herms may get there in the end, uh, purely because towards the end, Jim interest wasn't there and a lot of the stories became like there was panels that were chopped and swapped and squished and stuff like that and in my opinion that means they've been edited and like the Sundays were condensed and you know and, and stuff like that but he's come the closest so far in reproducing everything in unedited format he made the decision to bring in uh the Semic stories uh and he copped a lot of flack for that back in the mid to late 80s. Um, you know, there was a lot of forum letters. I've been reading at some of them lately. Oh, you need to get rid of it. Stop buying the comic and rah, rah, rah. And then he also saw the hot, you know, when at, at, at its best in the mid-90s, they were producing, you know, I've, I've heard anywhere between 30,000 to 100,000, uh, you know, that's how many they were selling an issue. Um mm. So the proper population the size of Australia, that's a lot of comics. Yeah, and it's not as much as what you know Semic was doing in their heyday. They were, according to some numbers, doing two fifty to three hundred thousand in a population that's even smaller than Australia. Mm. But for Australia, you know, he brought the Phantom, and everyone, all everyone knew the Phantom in the nineties. Um, so I've got him seventh. Now eighth, I got Jamie Vell. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Now this is a smoky one, um, purely because, and what sealed it for me was when we've reviewed some of the stories lately. Everyone, we've all said his artwork stands up today. His art, his artwork's amazing now in the black and white and. And you know, I've I've even heard some some staunch colorists, people who only read the Phantom in in color, say that even they don't mind Jamie's uh, work in black and white. So, and he was there. He created, in my opinion, he helped modernize Semic's work from, you know, Williamson and Oz, you know, Earlips and. Ozkans, which were very Cyberish, and and Val took it to that next that he took it to that next level. And when he was doing stories, was when Semic was at its highest. Um, so that's why I've got him as high as that. Now ninth, I've got Ron Forsyth, which was the creator of Free. Now I've got him ninth because basically one he created Free. But he also stayed with Fru, and he was basically he was the publisher until Jim Shepherd took over. So well, he was involved with the publishing. I don't know the full history, but from what I understand, he was like there from day dot to like the mm. early mid nineties when Jim Shepherd brought Fru off uh, Ron and 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 stuff like and, that. And just to clarify, we're talking uh, started in nineteen forty eight. And yeah. I think Jim Shepard's first editorial was 1988, so that's 40 years on his own, and yeah. then probably another whatever it was, two, three, four years before Jim Shepard actually bought him out. Mm. So, 
Um, so 40 plus years of publishing the comic in Australia. And I've got him as high as that. Uh, and I wouldn't be unhappy swapping him and Jamie Vell around. I went with an artist because sometimes publishers are kind of people that you kind of see in the background and the artist are the people in a sense that sell the comic. Um, so that's why I've gone him ahead of Ron. Um, so that's ninth. Now, 10th, I think it's going to be another one that's going to raise a few eyebrows, and that's Jane Lundstrom. Now, he was... Mm, it's raised my eyebrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, I will admit, my first draft, I didn't even have him in the top 20. Um, but I've done a little bit of research on him. I've talked... He's, this is one of those people that, you know how at the beginning we, we said there's going to be people that are in our top purely because of what people have told us about them. Mm. This is one of them. Um, you know, he basically when, uh, Semic was allowed to create their own stories, he had all the ideas of doing what he has done. Uh, him and Magnus Nutstrom, I believe it was, mm-hmm. and I want to butcher all these names. So I'm sorry for that. Um, but, but I've gone with him because he stayed with it longer and um, and then he's written more stories and stuff like that as well. Um, and then if you remember episode, is it 101 with Robert Amon? Mm, um, yep. He talked a lot about him and about what he had done and stuff like that as well. So it was with purely a couple of conversations with people like Elf Granberg, Andreas Eckerson, and then also Robert with what they've said in the podcast and what they've said post-podcast that has got me slipping into his top 10. Okay. So Lundstrom's done um, 62 Team Fantelman stories and two of the Fratelli Sparta stories um, starting in 1970. And as, as you say, um, the conversation with Robert Amman would suggest that that was a, a really pivotal time for the fandom and the, and the way that it was being produced mm. in, uh, in Sweden and the, the direction that it took. Yeah, all right, um, I'm, I'm going to use this little natural pause. I need to ring my daughter, if that's all right, mate. Um, just as we'll have a slight editorial pause. My um, my daughter's um, staying overnight at a friend's place, and she's just texted me to say, can you give me a ring? So um, is that all right? I'll yeah, yeah, of course. Just stay on the line. I'll be like five, ten minutes. Yeah. Cool. All right, sorry, mate. No, no, All right, cheers. Phantom. You there? Yeah, mate. Yeah, sorry about that, mate. No, that's all right. She okay? Yeah, no, she's fine. We've just got a bit of a um, a, a routine rhyme thing that we say at bedtime, and um, uh, she sleeps a lot better if she hears it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that's fine, mate. Um, that's uh, fine. That's cool. good. All right. So, do you have any questions on my any comments, or you just want to go straight into yours? Um. No, it's interesting because um, now, obviously, I'm typing up your list uh, as we go so I can see it next to mine, and um, we're pretty similar, I suppose, in in that Mm. area of the ground, but uh, Jan Lundstrom is one that, um, as you've said, sort of has come from the sky for me. I don't have him in my top 20 at all. Mm. Um, But maybe I should, and there's... Look, I I don't know the Scandinavian side of things as well as I should. And um, mm. I, most of that I'm going off what I can read off Phantom Wiki and uh, from the conversation from Ulf Granberg as much as anything. So Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, is, it, is a, um, it is a name that I guess, um, like I said, I originally had it off my top 
20 as well. And then it wasn't until I was talking to some people and I was talking about this idea and both Ulf and Andreas said, you need to have this guy in. And then I asked them, well, why? Tell me, sell, sell me why. And, you know, Elf sent me a long email and Andreas, <laughs> um, you know, chewed my ear off on the pod, you know, on Messenger for the next two hours telling me about what he's done. And then with talking to Robert Oman as well, and it was mm. like, okay, yeah, no, he needs to be in there. He was there um, at the right time. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like, yeah, he was. He was there at the right time. Um, the other thing which uh, I forgot to make mention as well, he actually created the, he was one of the, co-founders of the comic um the swedish comic club or, or whatever they're called as oh, well okay so you oh, know the not one that only... just had their reunion at the end of last yes of yeah that we yeah. Put, that um that we posted on chronicle chamber as well so you know he he i guess he's one of those people that yeah right time right place and has become you know, like a grandfather of Swedish comics, and hmm. I believe that his influence has even reached to Australia in a sense. Hmm. And um, look, some some of the stories that he's written are, are massively influential um, mm. in terms of um, the fandom in in, in Australia. Um, I see um, on the list. Uh, Gold Hand, for instance, and that's going to be pretty mm. random. But my son loves Gold Hand. That's one of the actual. Um, he's nine. That's one of the big boy Phantom comics that he actually really, really likes. So mm. um, just to pick, 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 pick that one out at random. Um, and then there's a bunch of other ones in here: the earthquake, the river that disappears, the secret kingdom. A lot of those, the trade war. A lot of those are the sorts of um, stories that uh, speak to, I guess, the phantoms' um, political leanings. If you, if you if you want to go down that path, which is um, what we were talking about with Robert Amon. So yeah, no, I can understand why you've got your top ten. Yeah, then you got classics like the Mill Drinker, um, yeah. which is one of probably you know one of the better one of the better stories ever. Um, gonna have to make a point to go and read that on that recommendation. Mm. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, so give us, give us, finish off your top ten, mate. Okay, so my top ten, um, obviously it's different because I don't have Jan Lundstrom in it. Um, <laughs> I have already sizzled that uh, Ulf Granberg was going to be number six for all of the reasons that you've said. Um, he's he's basically um, there's, there's no doubt that as an editor, as a writer, um, as an influencer, as the, the head of the Brains Trust in, mm. with, with Tim Fantelman, the, um, he's made a lot of um, decisions and, and um, that have influenced the direction that the Phantom has taken. Some, some good, some not so good. And uh, I think in the interview that we had with him, he was the first one to admit that some of the decisions that he'd made maybe yeah. sort of backfired, but that's okay. You know, no yeah. one's perfect. Interesting, he was, probably his biggest regret was Lubunga. Um, yeah. I, I was uh, really interested in that. And I think it was probably because, and I don't know whether it was more... And that, that influence is being felt to this day, where they, you know, yeah, we all yeah. we saw a couple of weeks ago, oh, well, this Phantom Strip can't be published, the current daily can't be published in Sweden because they've got Luaga as president, which doesn't mm. fit with what we know here. So it's, a, it's very influential and continues to now. Yeah, exactly. And that was, what, the 90s, so that was 20 yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yep. So, so obviously, I mean, you had him as five. I've got him at six. So we agree that he's um, really, really influential. I had uh, Ron Forsyth um, up into seventh place. Um, now he did create Fru. For those of you who have come in late, Forsyth is the 
F that is uh, the start of Fru. There's also uh, Richardson is the R, Lawford Richardson. Jack Eisner is the E, John Watson is the W. So that's how you get through. Eisner and Watson left pretty early, apparently, and uh, Forsyth and Richardson carried it through. As Jermaine said, we're not 100% sure on the um, chronology there in terms of how long Forsyth and Richardson worked together and when Richardson dropped off. All we know is that uh, Ron Forsyth was the last man standing, so to speak, and uh, he was the one who ended up selling through to Jim Shepard. Look, for... I know we said at the start that we don't want to be biased and we are Australian and all the rest of it, but no matter how you look at it, when you break down the, the, the audience of the fandom globally, um, you've yeah. got America where he started and, and there's a checkered history of popularity there. Um, and then the, the other three main areas of the world are Scandinavia, India and Australia. And um, as I sort of alluded to, a 40-plus year publishing history I know that lots of people will say, oh, well, they were just repeats and all the rest of it, but that is when people rusted on, and so many of the current Phantom fans in Australia are rusted on Phantom fans because of what Fru did through the period of their youth, including mine and yours. Oh, not so much yours. You were probably a little bit later than me, but Fru was still owned by Forsyth as I jumped on board. Yeah. Um, and um, the for the time the strategy worked. And even though we were getting the same stories every maybe eight to ten years and and by the time that Jim Shepard had taken over, some of the stories had been reprinted already eight or ten times in the last 50 years, um, people still loved it. And and those comics are collectibles today. So for that reason and for for basically establishing and creating the market of fandom fans in Australia, that's why I had Forsyth. Um, and then the rest of Fru up in seventh place. Ramirthi, I had at eighth. Um, I tossed and turned with him. I, I had him lower. I brought him up. Um, and what? Because <laughs> and I couldn't just go. Oh, I don't like his um, Sandal Singh character, and so therefore he's got to be out of the top ten. Um, mm. You've got to look past those individual things. And and his track record with stories, I think. I read that he had something like, and I reckon it's over 250 stories that he's written for Tim Fantaman, Simic and Egmont. He was Michael Tierra's before he was close to Ramethi in terms of um, uh, his his pen name um, back right into the into the 80s. Interestingly, um, Fandom Wiki would say that um, he was rejected by Alf Grunberg. Um, some of his stories were rejected by Alf Granberg very, very early, and I wonder if he changed his pen name to Michael Tierras to, to get a few more um, stories across the desk um, and have a look at. But anyway, um, hugely influential for all of the reasons that we have said. Um, and so he's eighth for me. Jim Shepard, and again, I agree with all of the reasons that you've said. I've got him in ninth place. He had to be in the top ten. Yeah. Um, because he... Um, took what Forsyth and Fru had done and then brought it into the 90s and made it ready for the movie and all the rest of it. And he, he was on the, the right side of the table. Hang on, mate. I've just got to get my daughter. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yep, no worries. Phantom! <laughs> sure. Phantom podcasting with daughters. We're all over it. Teenage girls who are on sleepovers. Girls who are less than a year old who need their dads. I got halfway there and mum had already got her. Oh, brilliant. 
<laughs> Go mum. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Daughters and podcasting, hey? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, uh, so that's Jim Shepard at ninth. I won't expand on him any further. Tenth mm. is someone you didn't have, and that for me is Tony DePaul. Um, I could not not have him in my top ten. Um, between okay, so I'll, I'll explain this, and then you can you can tell me why I'm wrong, um, or maybe you've got him at eleventh. I don't know. Um, Tony, I've got him very close. Yeah. Okay. So Tony DePaul. Um, He's been writing the Phantom for the, the the Phantom in the newspapers, which, as long-time listeners will know, is is the law for me. Um, so he's been writing Phantom in the newspapers for over twenty years now, and I think because of the fact that he also wrote for um, for Team Phantomman from nineteen ninety three. Um, he brought some of those ideas to the Daily Strip. And we've seen some of the ideas that he had in those Scandinavian stories mm. come through in the newspaper strip. So he's really brought together, as best he can, those yep. two universes, I think. And, yeah, um, he's totally still, agree. You talk about um, Cy Barry still knocking it out of the park now. Cy Barry, uh, Tony DePaul's nowhere near as old, obviously. He's really... <laughs> But he's he'll like, he'll like that. <laughs> but I think he's in a real sweet spot of writing at the moment. Um, so the the current story like a, a like a good bottle of wine gets better with age. Well, some of his early stuff was really good as well. We've talked about the death of Diana being a, a seminal sort of period of, mm. of the strip, and um, what's going on now with the growth of Heloise is magical as well. The Sunday stories are very different. They're a bit more fun. They're a bit more light. Um, they're, they're sort of just something that can happen in the universe without having to contribute to the, um, the continuity, so to speak. Um, so I guess for being the writer of this, of the newspaper strip for, I guess now a quarter of its life, and then also the way that he's, um, bridged that gap from Scandinavia to the newspapers. That's why I've got Tony in my top 10. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, could, I agree, and I think you make a good point with Tony DePaul is that I, there's two, probably two big things that Tony DePaul has done, which was in the original in Team Phantom, which has come over, and that was, you know, Rodia, which, you know, yes. and then there's also Old Man Moz has become more of a seer. Mm. Now, because originally he was just a storyteller, but then. Just a keeper of wisdom. Mm, yeah. Or just. Yeah, all just stories, really. He was just yeah. basically, you know, a, uh, a walking, a walking chronicle. <laughs> he just um, remembered stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, it, it originally started in the team Phantom Men stories, where he was there was a little bit more to him than that, and then that has carried on as well. And um, where you know, we, and we, we've looked and we've looked trying to find similarities between the lore of Team Phantom Men and and uh, and Lee Fork and. Really, there was there's really only been one previously, and that was um, the story of Devil, and that's yeah, where with Tony DePaul, he's brought a lot more um, togetherness between the two uh, universes in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, as I say, I just could not leave him out of the top ten, and and I'm really comfortable because the names that follow. Whilst massively influential and very, really, really important um, mm. to me, don't do that job. So, yeah. So you've got two people that are different from me. So you've 
in the top ten. That's not right. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, so you got King you got Ulf, which Tony I had. Paul. Yeah. So you've got King Features, Tony Paul. Is that is that all you've got different? I've got those two in my top ten. The ones of my of yours that I don't have are Jamie Valve and yeah, Lonsky. and yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So no, um, the, the top ten is pretty close. It's pretty very it similar. Yep. Um, I'm I'm still staggered you don't have King Features who own the character. But anyway, that's all right. Well, <laughs> I, I guess, and I'll, I'll get to it when when I get to King. When I get to King Features, they're in the top ten, but um, I did mark the top twenty. That I did mark them down. Yeah. Um, all right, so we'll do eleven to twenty now. Eleven to fifteen. Let's let's. I want to go eleven to fifteen. I think bite-sized chunks. Okay. Um, okay. So at eleventh, I've got Tony D. Paul. No, oh, there. Now you go. I, I wanted him to be in the top ten. Um, and I will admit, you know, in talking to him and in our first draft, uh, you, you know, you kind of did, I had him in the top 20, but I had him further in, but in, in talking to the guy and to you guys and stuff like that, it's one of the reasons why I've kind of snuck him up a little bit. Now, 12 is going to be one of these nameless people. Okay. Uh, and I want to go the editor who, got the license to create their own Phantom End stories. Um, so I don't know who that was. And knowing so, my luck, it's probably one of the people that I've already mentioned ahead. But <laughs> the um, So basically, whoever was the editor, whoever was the powers who basically sold King Features the idea that they are going to create their own stories. So Semic, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I guess we could do Semic as... Um, as as the organisation. Now, not only did CMIC do Sweden, and like we've already talked about in the sense that at their heyday they had, you know, in, as the story tells, anywhere between 250 to 300,000 issues were sold, which is a lot of issues. Mm. They released their stuff in... Now, this isn't a... Let's, let's, let's go through the amount of countries that they have done. They, they released it in, uh, Czech Republic, Denmark, Estonia, Finland, uh, Germany, uh, um, Hungary, uh, the Netherlands, I believe it was, Norway, Poland, Portugal, Russia, Serbia, Yugoslavia, Slovakia, Slovenia, uh, Spain, Sweden, of course, Turkey, the United Kingdom, um, Brazil, uh, Mexico, I believe it was, India, uh, Australia, of course. Um, oh, so you're, you're counting these are the old stories too? Yeah, these Not are where sto- they've published their own issues? No, these are where basically their stories have, have so, gone to. Yeah, so okay. that's... That's 15, 20 different countries around the world where their stories have appeared and they've published, you know, in, and they've, you know, done a lot of, you know, over 500 issues in Denmark, Finland, Ireland, I mean, not Ireland, uh, Norway and Sweden and stuff. So there's the big Mm. five and then there's another 10 to 15 countries where their stories have been published and 
fans have been made because of that decision to basically uh, create their own stories. Mm. That's, you know, that, that's a fairly big legacy. So It is. Um, um, it must be said that until you said Russia, Australia, Brazil and India, the rest of those countries all fit inside Western Australia um, geographically. <laughs> <laughs> But you're right, you're right. It is, I was going to say something like, reach. you know, that size doesn't matter, right? But uh, we won't go there. <laughs> but, um, it's odd yeah. to hear a West Australian say that. Uh, but, yeah, but so, and I've got them as high as that mainly because of their influence. Now, um, while I, so why, it's, to tell how it's influenced my life is while I fell in love with the fork stories, what helped me, what, you know, what helped me get hooked and stuff like that were some of these modern stories, like, you know, the setup, uh, which was, you know, one of the classics, um, well, you know, story that, that of devil, the test. Episode, yeah, that was, that was, that was kind of like my Genesis moment. Hmm. Um, so, you know, the, a lot of the stories that basically got me hooked were these Egmont, or, or Semic Team Phantom End stories. And so that's why I've got them that high. Um, now, in 13th, I've got Norman Walker, who mm-hmm. is an Englishman. And in the 80s and 90s, he did a whole bucket load of stories. Now, um, this is someone who has sadly passed away. Um, and, but, you know, Elf Granberg talked very fondly of, of Elf, uh, of Norman. He did, yeah. Um, and so, you know, he did, he did 128 stories and a lot of these stories were, you know, uh, stories that we absolutely love. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, establishing of fandom law, like, uh, how the, like one of the big ones was how the unknown commander became the unknown commander mm. with the jungle patrol. Um, you know, that, Probably doesn't get much more um, uh, Phantom Law than that. Uh, you know, he did he did the Pirates of the Red Dragon was another one which uh, a lot mm. of people are aware of uh, at the moment. Um, he did Flame, which is one of those stories that a lot of people uh, are aware of and 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 like. Julie expanding on the um, on her universe and stuff like that. Um, you know, did the Golden Rune series, um, Wurubri, which was the story about his brother, um, and established that, you know, helped expand that, did the Ibis mystery. Um, so there's a lot of stories that I grew up with in the 80s and the 90s that helped hook me, and he had been creating, you know, fandom stories for a long time. So I've got him. Uh, at 13. Now, 14, I have Hans Lindell. Hmm. Um, now, I've gone him because his art was amazing. And he, if, if you ask, probably, if you ask 20 people who their top 10 or their top 5 fandom, favourite fandom artists are, he'll be in there. I think, I think more accurately... If you ask people to pick to, to nominate their top ten phantom pictures, they would be surprised how many of them were drawn by Hans Lindahl. Mm. 
because they people don't necessarily as and you and I do and and people who, a lot of people who listen to this probably do um, can know artists but there's lots of people who just like phantom pictures and whatever um, it's he's surprisingly iconic he's got a surprisingly large amount of yeah. um, phantom pictures that are have, have just become you know um, seminal to people yeah and if you look at his you know so let's pull him up in um Let's pull him up in uh, the what do you call it in Phantom Wiki, which I so, just made a... so I've got him. I've got him here. He was an artist and a writer from 1983 to 1989. Um, also, again, I don't, I'm not sure what happened there, but he, he came back in 1992 mm. through to 2015, and um, was actually the head of Team Phantomman from 2013 to 2015. Yeah, and you have a look at his credits of best stories from you know Sweden, Norway. And also the best covers and all that, and you know he's got uh, you know a list longer than my than our arms. Um, so yeah, he. I don't know, and I don't. Know, he he. In my opinion, he has to be in the top twenty. So that's why I've got him fourteenth. Now fifteenth, I have King Features. Now, the reason why I have him this low is because of some of their decisions. <laughs> and and maybe that's not in the criteria, and I completely <laughs> agree with what you said about the their influence and basically, you know, the, like they've sold it and they had the, I guess you could even say, the foresight to be able to get Lee Fork on board to be able to um, sell it around the world to be able to say yes to Sparta, to Team Phantom Men, to Fru, to these guys to be able to create their own stories and stuff like that. But I have to mark them down for probably their last 20 years. And in my opinion, in their last 20 years, they've fallen asleep at the wheel and they've lost out. But doesn't, know, they, doesn't that make them influential even... For the wrong the reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you're probably right. And if and when we do our combined one, I think you know we will have to we will have to probably put him in the top ten, and it's probably more me making a stand. Um, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, you know, I completely agree why they're in the top five, and probably you know, and I'll be, but I can't put him in the top five because of the last twenty years where they've fallen asleep at the wheel, and they have, in my opinion had a negative influence on the Phantom. So if um, if the current uh, trend of, uh, it looks like they've got a Flash Gordon movie, there's Popeye um, web stories coming up. If, if by, say, 2021, there's a Phantom movie, is KFS going to go straight back to number one? <laughs> well, maybe not number one over, over Lee Fork, but I think you're <laughs> right. They will probably rock it back in the top five uh, if they do a good job. And uh, KFS, if you are listening, uh, no offence, we are more than happy to help as consultants to be able to help you get into that top five if it actually means anything to you, which I don't really think it does. But that them in the top, them at 15 is me making a stand. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. All right. Well, my um, my eleven to fifteen um, has got two, three, I think that you haven't mentioned, um, and I don't have I don't have a semic editor in mine. Um, 
to be honest, it's, it's it is very left field. I've got another one. I've got another left field one. Well, as I actually well. think that my, that, that uh, some of mine are going to be left field, but for for similar reasons. But I've tried to find an individual, I guess. So yeah, um, at number eleven, I've actually got a chap by the name of Bertel Willemson. Um, yep who was the first real author for the team Semic stories. Um, mm. Sorry, for the team Fantaman. When team, uh, Semic um, took the... You can tell me, when, when did Semic have their first Phantom comic issue? Oh, their first Phantom, mate. Uh, I think it was the late 50s. It was the late, late 50s, I think. Yeah, you're right. And in the, in the 60s was when they decided to start, well, let, let's... Um, write our own stories, which is kind of what you mm. were alluding to with mm. uh, your editor of Semic. Um, Bertel Willemson wrote something like 17 of the first 20 stories or something. He, he really pumped them out through the 60s. And again, if I, I go back to that snowball idea and the person who, who started it and made, and saw that it worked and got other people to follow. So for that reason, as the author of, of some of those first stories that then, uh, Place Rimethy and Ulf Grunberg were able to stand on his shoulders yeah. later down the track. Um, yeah. But if you know, if he'd stuffed it up, if those stories had been no good, then perhaps Tim Fantelman, as we know it, as yeah. Ulf Grunberg turned it into, might never have happened. So that's why yeah. I've got him into number eleven. Um, I think he's probably the same people that we've. It's just you know, like the different. Um, you know, like I've gone the Swedish writer, and you've actually put a name to the face and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so I agree. I'm very happy with. It was either between him and 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 Jan Lundstrom, and I thought I better not put too many Swedish guys in there, otherwise <laughs> I might uh, lose my Australian passport. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but no, very happy with that one. Okay. Um, in twelfth place, I'm now I'm I'm going global. I'm jumping all over the place, and again, I don't have an individual really to put to put this to. Um, but I've decided I've landed on if I'm going to pick a name, it's Bill Harris, and uh, he's the author who wrote a lot of the stories for mm. Gold Key and then Charlton. And in terms of building the American audience, those Gold Key King Charlton comics. Um, other than the, the newspaper strip, were really all that um, America got for a long, long time. Um, I actually typed Bill Harris in as a, oh, sorry you missed out, but that's a name, at about 30th place, and then I did a bit of reading on, because on, I thought, oh, I've got to find something for the American um, audience, and uh, his name just kept coming up and up and up. So for yep. that reason and, and for trying to, maybe he's the wrong name, but as we as we're sort of saying, you know, uh, in terms of the influence there, so he co-wrote or he rewrote a lot of Lee Fork's stories to, um, to, mm. to bring them to the American audience with, uh, with Bill Legant and, um, uh, Jim Aparo, perhaps. Yeah, and a lot of the old, old, well, not old, but like a lot of the American people like Dan Herman, uh, Ed, you know, Ed Rhodes, Pete Clowes, and stuff like that. They were influenced by Bill Harris's building that and those, you know, Jim Aparo and the Charlton and, and King stories and all that. That's what they were influenced by. That's what they fell in love with. Yeah. We look at the stories now and go, oh my gosh, you know, they're yeah. rubbish. But, um, you know, they were pumping out those stories and, um, mm. I've got him as unlucky to be missed out. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I can understand why you've got him as high as, uh, 12. 
Yeah. So as I say, I, I initially had him as unlucky to miss out, but he's coming basically as a representative of mm. that um, that period of of American yeah. comic books. Thirteenth, look, I didn't know how to separate. Uh, it, it's funny you said Norman Worker at thirteenth. I've also got Norman Worker at thirteenth, but I've got him tied with Don Avenel. Um, yeah, they kind of go together, don't they? That's I, I had him at thirteen and fourteen, and I just well, that's just not fair. I've got them both at thirteen in the end. Um, mm. because Don Avenel, as you say, um, they, they go together in, in many ways. Both British writers, um, both pumped out a lot of work for Tim Fantelman. Both have a lot of stories that um, people would read and really enjoy. So um, I've got them in there. And uh, then at 15th, Hans Lindahl. So for all of the same sorts of reasons that, uh, that you had him there. Yeah, well, that's quite... Very. I'm surprised at how similar our um, our ones are. Yeah, because because genuinely, it's been at least five months since we had a bit of an online chat about mm. who these might be, and um, we we yeah haven't seen each other. I'm I'm typing Jermaine's out as we go, so I know what he's talking. Yeah, I'm about typing yours out as well. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, uh, like I've got Donny Avenuel in my top twenty as well. Okay, um, and then I've got Bill Harris just outside, and then right. Berta Williamson, I haven't got, but I kind of went, uh, Jan Lundstrom, and then he's kind of like in the, you know, the, what do you call it, the phantom editor, semi. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, um, yeah, no. Because you're right, Norman and, and Don, like they, uh, Walker and Avenue, the stories they produced were amazing. Mm. Um, you know, so, you know, and I guess that highlights the importance of someone like an elf who hired them. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And, and brought them together and, and had them all riding to mm. a continuity. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I'm going to go 16 to 20. Yes. Now I've got, this is, this is where I said I've got another one. I've got the Sparta, Sparta Fratella. Um, now I've got them 16th. Now, the, <laughs> they're still influencing artists now, and their influence on what they've done is still being felt now with people like Filming, Ferry, and even people like uh, Sal Valido and Massimo Gambera as well. So Angelo not only, yeah, Angelo Tadaro, yeah, there's another name as well, and you know they were creating stories before Team uh, Phantom Men were. Mm. Um, now, it must be said, not necessarily all very good stories. No, that was going to be my next point. Now, the stories <laughs> don't always stand up in today's world, and we have been lucky enough to be able to read some of the stories in the Phantom's world. And that's one of the reasons why I love the Phantom's world is because we get, you know, to taste, in a sense, around the world. It's like, it's like going to a food court. You know, you get to taste around the world by going from the different stalls at a food at a food court, and and so yeah, not all their stories were good. I've got some of the art and the art, but the art was amazing. So I've got them sixteenth. Now seventeenth, I've got joint, and that's Ed Rhodes and Pete Klaus. Um, now I will admit I'm a little bit biased because I love both of these guys. Um, and Ed was probably more vocal and, um, 
uh, more of a public figure than someone like a Pete. Um, but the influence that they had in America in probably their darkest times of the Phantom history, which would be probably the late 80s and the 90s, where there was not much Phantom stuff. But what they managed to do, they brought together Friends of the Phantom. They brought... They, you know, they were influential in the sense of getting uh, some of the American influence or the US Yankee invasion, if you want to call it that, over to Team Egmont um, and, and stuff like that. So, you know, their influence was huge. Uh, they, you know, they they brought together a lot of, like, the price guides that every Australian likes. Mm-hmm. A lot of Nigel's work came from people like Ed and Pete Klaus um, and, and stuff like that. So that's where I, I've got them at 16th. Now, 17th, I've got John Henderson, uh, a.k.a. the Phantom Club from the 80s. No, hang on. So just to clarify, 16 was Sparta, 17 is Ed and Pete, yeah. and 18 yeah. is John Henderson. Yep. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Right. So 18 is John Henderson. Now, I've got him in the top 20 because, now, I didn't get to live through... But we're still experiencing his impact now, and we took, we, we highlighted this when we had when we were lucky enough to be able to interview him. Now his influence in creating the Phantom Club was huge, so much so that another club had to be you know had to be started to try yeah. and jump on the you know on the coat what is it the, the coattails of what mm-hmm. he had done. Um, now the reason. I don't have him higher is because some people may argue with me with this, but his influence was solely in Australia or mainly in Australia. Yeah. Um, If his influence was more global, i.e. someone like Ed Rhodes and Pete Clowes with what they did, uh, he would be a lot higher. But what he did in Australia has to be in the top 20 because it was cool to be a phantom collector in the eighties and the nineties, you know, it was cool to wear. It was cool to wear a shirt. If someone like the king, he, got, he was also getting a lot of um, media publicity for what he was mm, doing. And, yeah, yeah. If someone like the king, Wally, you know, uh, what's his Wally name? Lewis. Uh, Wally Lewis. If he was cool to be the fan, be a fan fan. Someone like him, Bob Hawke, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, who's the um, Who's the guy who played cricket and football? His last name was Walk, uh, Walker. Maxie Walker. Maxie Walker. You know, people like them. Yeah, Margaret Peacock as well, wife of yeah. Um, yep, the yeah, yeah. opposition leader in Australia at the time. Mm. You know, people like these guys were fan and fans. They were vocal fan and fans. And in my opinion, it was because of John Henderson and the work that he did in the fan club. And we're still feeling the influence now based on people, you know, spending... Thirty dollars on a on a phantom on a badge that he yep. was selling for a dollar. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll just say that because I'm looking at five of them now, and <laughs> those five people have you know been messaging me saying how much can I buy them off you and stuff like that, you know, and so that's his influence that he's had. Yeah, so that's why I've got him at eighteen. Now, Donny uh, Don Avenue, I've got at nineteen. Mm-hmm. For a lot of the reasons why you did. Now I've got him lower than uh, Walker 
mainly because Norman was at it longer and I kind of felt his stories, he was at it longer, he wrote more stories and his stories were just a by pure weight of numbers, he was higher than uh, Donna Venuel. Yeah. And then at 20, I've got Carrie uh, LePan. Okay. Um, now, I will admit, 19 and 20, I've kind of waxed and and stuff like that. But I've got him at 20, uh, purely based on his numbers. And behind Hans Lindell, he's probably the modern phantom, like what you said. You know, when people see an image, it's it's generally Hans Lindell or Carrie LePan. Um, so I've got him at 20. Okay. All right. Um, well, we're not we're not ridiculously uh, apart on the last, uh, despite the how difficult this was. And and eleven to twenty was really hard. Um, yes. Fifteen to twenty, you you almost throw a blanket over. Um, yeah. But we're not ridiculously apart on those as well. Um, Sixteen, I had John Henderson, and perhaps that's because I was in the Phantom Club, and mm. um, and so I've got him a couple of spots up from where you were. Um, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying about it not being a global reach, um, but for me, uh, as an Australian, I didn't know much about Friends of the Phantom until probably got involved with Chronicle Chamber. And, yeah. um, and so to me, that wasn't an international reach. That was more of an American reach, so that was more local, not necessarily global. Um, and Hendo and his Phantom Club was, was super influential for me personally with mm. Without Hendo, I probably would never have. Uh, I wouldn't be talking to you now. I wouldn't be on the on Chronicle Chamber yeah. and all the rest of it. So, um, so I had to have him, and, and I'm, I'm really pleased that you've got him in your top twenty as well. Um, I think that recognises the work that he did in Australia, and and if we're talking about little periods of boosts to popularity of the the character. Um, the 1980s and 90s, when Hendo was at the forefront and getting and getting the Phantom into the media and Penthouse Magazine and um, Chronicle, um, the, 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 not Chronicle, the um, Queensland Courier Mail, it is up here. Um, like just so many, um, yeah, so many, yeah. We've, we've talked well, about probably, Hendo. there's probably the 50s with the rings and the multiple Phantom lines, and there's probably the 80s mm. and the 90s with the movie, and then you're probably the next biggest ones probably right at the moment. And, In and terms I, of producing I, merchandise and memorabilia, you mean? Is yeah, that- and the popularity and, and, and getting in, like, he's probably, I, I fully agree with you, he's gotten into, you know, more newspapers, more magazines, airtime on TV and stuff like that than, mm. than what Fru has. Yeah, he probably did, and um, and I guess in the same way that I was talking about um, Forsyth in terms of getting people rusted on as fans, the mm. way that uh, Hendo and his fandom club just got some people rusted on as fans, um, yeah. ju- just remarkable. And and you're right, people are still chasing the, the merch that he produced today, so um, well and truly um, belongs in the top twenty. I, I've got a, again, I couldn't really separate. In the same way that I couldn't separate the authors at 13th with Norman Worker and Donna Vanell, I couldn't separate the artists from um, Egmont or Semic at 17 with Carrie Lappinen and Jamie Vavay. Um, that's where I've sort of landed mm. with them because of all of the reasons that you've talked about with both of those guys already, the, the quality of the art and... Um, 
it's amazing how many times now I look back at those, you know, I, I consider myself a focused, but I look back at some of those old stories and go, no, these are actually the artists that I really liked when I was yeah. a kid too. So it's amazing how they worked their way in and just their different take on the character. It, it's not just about Moore, McCoy and Barry. These guys were also hugely influential and, and drew people in. So yeah. couldn't separate them. Didn't didn't know which one to put higher than the other, so I put them both at 17th. <laughs> Um, so therefore, 19th, and um, this is one that you didn't have on your list, and I, gee, I hope he's in your unlucky to miss out list, um, Glenn Ford. Um, he's, he's, got, he's got to be in the top 20 for me. Um, as a cover artist through the late 90s and uh, early 2000s, yes, but gee, the work that... And we, we said right at the start, don't be overly influenced by what's happening in the mm. now, but there's... There is a Frew resurgence that is happening in the last three years with the Frew crew and yeah. Glenn Ford and the energy that he's put into that, the the ideas that he's brought to that. There's so many changes, so many updates, so much new stuff, so much beautiful stuff. Um, and you've let's even if you only talk about the covers, and there's so much more to talk about than that, but if you only talk about the cover art that's on um, Phantom Comics... Um, it is going great guns. And I know mm. that his reach isn't necessarily global yet, but Australia is a massive part of the audience. And Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, in my, he's in my list of unlucky. Yeah, good. Um, I, I couldn't not have him yeah. in my 20, so he's coming at 19th. I wanted to put him in the top 20. Um, I think you'd be slightly embarrassed about being in the top 20. Uh, <laughs> but the reason I didn't put him in the top 20 was just because he's only three years into the stint. If we do this list in another 10 years and he's still doing what he's doing now, you know, and we see the Phantom movie and, you know, and stuff uh, like that, he would probably be, you know, he would probably displace, you yeah, know, pushing the forget, top 10. Don't forget the work that he's done for Bradford Exchange and the, the yeah. merch that he's produced, well, the, the yeah. cards that he's produced... Um, he was basically the sole guy that was creating merchandise in the mid-90s and early 2000s. Yeah. If you wanted merchandise, it was basically a Glenn Ford design. Yeah. And he, but, he started a, phantom sh- a, yeah. a comic shop called The Phantom Zone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but was that, was that after that or after Superman? I have uh, I have no idea. I've literally just thought of that just now. That that didn't that didn't have a factor as to why he got into my top twenty. I just even um, yeah yeah, yeah the, in in the same way if you if you're talking Forsyth and Shepherd um, Ford uh, has got to come in yeah yeah I the yeah I I completely agree. The reason why I had him out was just because he's only three years into this into a hopefully a twenty year stint. Hmm. Um. And at this stage, I couldn't put him purely on potential. (laughs) (laughs) He's got to be over 60 and you're talking about his potential. (laughs) (laughs) He'll he'll find this bit amusing. Uh, I reckon we'll know when he's listening to this bit because he'll message us or something. He'll have some smart remark. But, yeah, I. um, all right, here's a question for you on... Glenn Ford, if if we were just to say now, if we were just to look at his, you know, not looking at his potential, which era do you think is more influential? His as a cover artist, merchandise artist, 
or as a free crew? I, I think you've got to say uh, since he's taken over the fruit crew, just the the changes mm. he's made to the comic. Um, if if he hadn't if he hadn't done that, if he hadn't you know come on as co-owner and uh, all the rest of it as fruit, I don't think he'd be on the list uh, on, on my top twenty. Um, but as you say, he's he's got the potential to jump up a few spots yet. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I just thought oh, it was a good, you, I just it was a good question, so I had to ask it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, look, I think we've already done a, a through retrospective a year after they bought it, and even then we were glowing, and now it's two years, mm. and, and they keep growing. Um, and again, I know we're just one little corner of the world here in Australia, but it's a big corner when you talk about the Phantom market. Well, you know, there's two... There's two. There's Sweden and Australia, and basically Sweden and Australia are propping up the fandom everywhere else. Mm. Um, Norway's dropped off. India's dropped off. Brazil's dropped off. Uh, Finland, Denmark, you know, they're no longer producing stories. France, Italy, Turkey, you know, these are all places that have produced fandom stories as well. Basically, right now, it is down to Sweden and Australia. In terms of producing new stories, yeah. Producing right. stories and propping up the fandom around the world. Hmm. Yeah, well, I suppose you can give America the um, the newspaper strip, but uh, other than that, you're absolutely right. Uh, the creation of new stories. Well, I wonder before Glenn, Australia wasn't really producing those new stories. That's, that's something yeah. that's really kicked on mm. um, with him and with his employment of... Uh, and we saw from the best of 2018 list how many people are loving um, Australian yeah. artists and Australian authors um, yep. having a crack at a character that we've seen as our own for a long, long time. Yep. 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 Anyway, so uh, then to wrap up my list, at 20th place I've got um, Ed Rhodes, and I didn't... Uh, yeah, maybe I should share him with Pete Klaus, um, but, um, yeah, I didn't think of doing that so, so I'll, add him, I'll, I'll, I'll put them together now so Ed Rhodes and Pete Klaus at, uh, at 20th place four friends of the Phantom um, if for no other reason than uh, on top of what you said if for no other reason than um, gives me hope that Chronicle Chamber might one day make a top 20 list where fans who are just <laughs> interviewing people and um, uh, talking mm. about Phantom stuff uh, might be important and influential, but well, but they were. There's no yeah. doubt about that. And uh, the way that they organised dinners, the way that they got people together, they they produced those newsletters, and um, yeah, they basically did what we are doing now, pre-internet, pre-internet. You know, they were ringing up people and you know and, and stuff like that. And another thing that's actually which I've which I remembered today and forgot to say it before. I'm not sure if you remember, but back when Jim Shepard was writing a lot of the, a lot of the, like he was reproducing the stories. Uh, I think one of them was Princess Valeria, and he did this huge expose on identifying where Wilson McCoy took over from Ray Moore and stuff like that. I'm not sure if you remember that. It's going back 20 years, so you probably don't. Um, but a lot of that research was actually done by Ed Rhodes and Pete Klaus. And and I'm, I've been going through and reading a lot of earlier Phantom comics and stuff like that. And there's a lot of stuff that Jim has talked about and 
highlighted and informed us and all that, which I've also read in Friends of the Fandom newsletters and and, and stuff like that. Um, and so, you know, that not only were they, you know, you know, they were doing what we're doing. They were identifying ghost writers for Cyberry. They were interviewing the ghost writers for Cyberry. That you know, Andre LeBlanc, uh, Joe Gillia, you know, people like this. They were interviewing them and finding out about it. Interviewing Cyberry, and you know, they 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 did do a lot. They were helping Elf Granberg with with artists and and you know to and stuff like that as well. Um, uh, you know, they met with Lee Fork several times, and hmm. um, one of the the canes, one of Lee Fork's favourite canes, was actually donated, given to him by Pete and Ed. One hmm. with, I think it was the skull the or skull the Phantom's the, head. The top of it, yep. Yeah, so um, yeah, I, th- I think they're worthy people in the top in the top twenty. Hmm. All right, so. Um we're not going to go through and rattle through our top 20 again because people have heard it or just to, to create a list. Have you got um, four or five unlucky not to make it uh, in I've no particular six. order and for no particular reason, but if you just want to rattle off some names um, of people who didn't quite make your top 20 um, who were unlucky? Okay. Uh, first one, Billy Zane. Ah. Um, now... He wasn't in my initial list, and I wasn't really sure if, if you know, if people would agree with it, and that's probably why I didn't put in the top twenty. But he played the Phantom. It's a, it's a really good one, actually. Um, the average Joe, if you say, "Oh, the Phantom," oh yeah, Billy Zane. Yeah. You know, the movie might have sucked, and a lot of people don't like the movie or whatever. But I don't think it sucked is, as much as people think. Yeah, the point is, the average Joe, when they think of The Phantom, they think of Billy Zane. Hmm. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's valid, very valid. Um, another one is George Olsen. Yes. Um, now, I've got him there because I don't think... Now, people really only know of him when he was doing the dailies and Sundays with Fred Fredericks and Keith Williams. But George was one of those uncredited ghost writers for Cy Barry. But the thing is, he... Basically, for as long as Cy Barry was doing the inking and, and was the main man, George Olsen was also working for him. So if you, you know, Cy Barry did it for 30 years, let's say he did it for 20 years, then he did it for another 10 years, he was drawing the Phantom for as long as Cy Barry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got him there. Another one I've got is Felmang. Yep. Um purely because I think when you're talking about great artists, you talk about Carrie LePan, Hans Lindell, Jamie Val, and Filming. Mm. Um, so, you know, when you're talking about the great Semic artists, and he also did it, well, he's done it for Australia, for Fruit, and also for Sparta, you know, uh, when you're talking about your top ten Phantom artists, Filming's always in there. Yep. Uh, the other one is Glenn Ford for reasons that we've yeah. talked about, and I've left him out purely on potential. Um, <laughs> He'll love that. <laughs> yeah, he will. And then I've got Bill Lingnan and Bill Harris. So I've got the I, Bills. Yeah. And again, like, well, they're on the list because of the reasons why you've got them on the list, but I've got them slightly out because... 
you know, not to lessen their impact, but some of their stories didn't quite hold up. So that's my unlucky list. Bill, Billy Zane, George Olson, Felmang, Glenn Ford, and a couple more Billies in Bill Lignant and Bill Harris. Fair enough. I'm not sure whether the Bills should be happy that you've thought about them or sad that you thought about them so late. So. Well, I just hope they don't <laughs> send me a bill. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Um, I've I've also got, as it turns out, six unluckies not to have made it. And, <laughs> and, and um, I don't have Billy Zane. I feel bad that I don't because he should be on the list. I'm, I'm really pleased that you brought him up. That's uh, that's fantastic. Well, just make uh, it seven and stick him on the list. <laughs> yeah. No, I've got to be honest and true to the process. I can't, I can't add him on now. Um, but I wish I, I had had him because I probably would have him a bunch uh, above some of these. But anyway, um, other ones that I was thinking of, um, you've already mentioned Fel Mang for sure in terms of um, uh, artists and and, and, and he's created the phrase. He has Fel Manged it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> has to be a t-shirt <laughs> by. Um, by upping the uh, bra cup size. Is, is that how you filming it? <laughs> yeah. Um, Bill Legant, you, you've mentioned as well. If only for Queen Samaris the 12th. If, 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 if someone could make a list based on one story, um, showing the eyes of the Phantom in Queen Samaris the 12th mm. would be the reason why he'd get there. Um, I also considered Mark uh, Magnus Knutson, who I think you mentioned at one point, um, yeah, he probably should have been an unlucky one. Made some um, some some really important stories, or wrote some really important stories in the nineteen seventies for for Semic. Um, I've also got Graham Nolan on my list. I really yeah. liked the way that he drew the Phantom in the uh, the Sundays in the early two thousands. Um, just just didn't have the time on the character. I th- I think to yeah. to be more influential. Um, Jim Aparo for, I guess, along the similar lines of, um, and, and you could throw Don Newton in there as well, mm. um, f- uh, in terms of the American work for Gold Key and Charlton. And, um, <laughs> the first time we've mentioned, I think, a woman, I'm going to, I'm going to throw Elizabeth Fork in the mix as well. There, there are rumours and legends, and and there's probably myth in terms of how much she contributed to the actual writing of the stories, um, especially with Lee on his deathbed and all that sort of stuff. But if for no other reason than being someone who supported um, Lee through you know decades of marriage and um, trying to help him with his work-life balance when he was concentrating on the theatre, but he also had this Phantom thing and the Mandrake thing that he had to write mm. to pay the bills. Um, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna put Elizabeth Fork in there as well. Yeah, I will admit I in my first list I had Graham Nolan and Elizabeth Fork. Uh, Graham Nolan because I think when he took over the Sundays, there was excitement about the Sunday artist again because he was a well-known artist and he was a fan, and and so there was that there was that little bit of like, oh, the Phantom has got a big shot artist. Um, mm. Yeah, he was well known, and so I think you know, but yeah, you're right, he just didn't do it for long enough. Mm. Um, you know, if he'd done it for ten years or something like that, and mm. I guess. Did, did what Paul Ryan did, who, you know, is another name we've probably missed as well. Uh, Rolf Golks is probably another yeah. name that we've missed as well. I think he's done like a thousand covers or something like that. Um, maybe not, but maybe, you know, maybe 500. But yeah, but, you know, but there's another name that we've left off the list and stuff like that. 
So uh, maybe you might have to come back and do a top 50. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> if people want to get on our list, they've got to do more. They've got to live up to their potential. <laughs> so you hear that, Glenn? You've got to live up to your potential. <laughs> I, I just mocked Rolf Goes doing a 1,000 covers, but I've looked him up on Phantom Wiki. 911. 911 covers from 1957 through to 1957 through mm. to 2012 um mm. that's phenomenal yeah, and, so. and again he'd be someone who people go oh, i like that picture of the phantom it turns out it's a rough goes so well the he might be unlucky too he's to be honest he's probably should have been in the top in both our top 20s well when you look at those numbers wow yeah um well you look at the, the calendar for um uh for melon this year Oh, yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, fair call. And, um, gee, how did, I'm, I'm scrolling through his fandom wiki page. How the hell did we not have him in our top 20? Yeah. But who would you push out? So um, there's got to be some unlucky people. And that's the thing about a list like this. The, the, I'm sure if Stephen had joined us, um, he'd have had, you know, probably 17 or 18 of the same people that we had, but he'd throw in a couple of, uh, he'd have had Rolf goes, I'm sure. Um <laughs> <laughs> that's the beauty of something like this it's debatable it's arguable there's no way you're going to come up with a debate no he would have got uh, Bill Harris and Rolf, Har- uh, Rolf Gus mixed up <laughs> uh, what I what I really like is that um, we between us if I look at all the names I've just highlighted them as we've gone through so between us I think there's six of our joint top 20s um, of people who we've interviewed for the podcast at different mm. times and that would be Cy Barry, Olf Grunberg, um, who we both had in our top five or six. Tony DePaul, who we bo- well, you should have had in your top ten. We both had in the <laughs> top ten. <laughs> uh, John Henderson, Pete Klaus, and Glenn Ford um, are the six of those top 20 that we have um, had the opportunity to chat to through um, Expand the Phantom podcast. Um, most of the rest of them, unfortunately, we won't have the chance because they were influential before we would have ever had the chance to. In fact, I don't yeah. think anyone else left is living, just about. Um, A couple of the Scandinavians. Yeah, well, there's Hans Lindell. Um, Plays from Matthew. We've really got to chase him up. Yeah. Um, Kerry LePan. Jamie Valvey, is he still around? Yeah, uh, no, no, he's passed away. So, yeah, so Hans Lindell, which will be hard. Class Ramifi. Carrie LePan and um, Rolf Goffs, um, mm. which might not be able to do a um, one, but we are maybe looking at that's one of the ones that we are going to try and do a written interview with. Yeah. Um, so that's been something we've been working with on the last six months. So mm. we'll have to follow that one up a bit. Oh, and mm. Phil Mang on the unlucky list. Billy Zane on the unlucky list. We were pretty close with Billy. Oh, Billy Zane, if if you happen to be listening to this and you feel like talking to a couple of fans who, look, you chat to us, we'll bump you into the top 20, I guarantee it. <laughs> yes, exactly. But um, that was fun. That was fun going through the top 20. I, I will admit, I was surprised that it was so similar. Yeah. Um, I will, because, you know, you, you said before that you, you're... You know, you, you said before that you weren't so sure about 
the stuff over in Sweden and around the world and stuff like that. But um, I guess even for someone who's, you know, uh, you, you know, it was still very similar as what mine was as well. So, hmm. um, and there was a couple in there that, yeah, that were different, but we're probably maybe talking about, what did you say? It was about four or five that were different from each other's. Yeah, and oh, look, oh, it'd be interesting to go back and have a proper look. But I think that in terms of people who who made it, yeah, um, you you I had Bertel Williamson, you had the editor of Semic. I think for the same reasons, um, mm. you know, there's um, a few a few names, but by and large, we're pretty similar. Yeah, and then there was a couple of big differences, like you had KFS at three, and I had him at fifteen, and. I had uh, Jamie Vell in the top 10, and you had him, what was it, 14 for 15th? So, 17, 17, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, there were a couple that were the bigger differences, but apart from that, everything was, yeah. you know, pretty close. Yeah. All right, well, I'm sure that there'll be people listening to this who have got their own opinions and, and are probably yelling at the steering wheel as they're driving through traffic at the moment going, what the hell, you've forgotten... X, Y, or Z. Or um, Rolf Goss. <laughs> um, if that's you, if, you, if you've got a, a strong opinion on this, please let us know. We'd, we'd love to know who we've missed um, or who we've put too high or too low. Um, the whole point of doing something like this is to hear other people's opinions. So um, get involved. Email us at chroniclechamber at gmail.com. Um, if you want to, if you want to get in touch with us directly, or by all means comment on either any of the social posts that I'm sure will be attached to this. Yes. Um, we've got the the comments availability at the bottom of the um, the website article for this as well on chroniclechamber.com. So by all means get involved and 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 talk about it there. Um, I mentioned the social medias. We're on Facebook at Chronicle Chamber Phantom Fan Page, um, and we'll also post the link to this in the Phantom Collector group. So make sure that you um, have a chat there. Um, we're on Twitter at Chronicle Tweets or Instagram at Chronicle Chamber. So um, any of those venues are good places for you to to vent at us and explain why we're wrong, which is what the internet is very good at. And uh, we, we would love to, to – are we opening ourselves up to something nasty by saying just come at us? So uh, anyway, you put your opinion out there, people are going to argue with you. That is correct. Uh, and I reckon our top 20 will probably change by the time this goes live as well. <laughs> <laughs> This could well do. Um, look, if you if you agree, how, how there's no segue for this. Um, one of the things you can do to support the podcast, if you like what we do, if we if if we've entertained you in any way, um, we'd love you to support us via Patreon. Um, we do have uh, our Patreon page where you can contribute as as much or as little as you like, um, a dollar a month or as much as. Um, well, $20,000 a month you could contribute if you wanted to, and that would be excellent because then I'd be able to go to New York and talk to a bunch of creators over there. So by all means, even if you just wanted to do that for a month, we'd both go, I'm sure, Jim. Yeah, but just remember, you came on last, so, you know, it goes in order, it goes in our seniority. So <laughs> if something like that happens, I go first, then Steve, and then you. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen doesn't get to go. He doesn't come on podcasts, so why should he go on trips? <laughs> That's fair enough. But no, we all joke. Um, but no, in all seriousness, um, supporting on Patreon helps us a lot with um, calling up people 
around the world, um, uh, putting out podcasts costs money, putting out stuff on the website costs money. Um, so it all goes to that, which basically means, you know, we don't have to pay for it, pay for it and it doesn't come out of our money and then we don't have to try and justify it to our wife, yeah, to our which, wives. Which we do really appreciate. We, mm, and they we appreciate spend, it as well. They do too. We, we spend a lot of time on this. It's, it's fantastic that uh, people help us out and we don't also have to spend money. So um, mm. thank you so much. Uh, can't, can't underestimate or, or undersell how much we appreciate the people who, who support us on Patreon. And by way of giving back as... as, as uh, as we can we've got the Phantom Preservation Project with all of the uh, the Phantom goodies that are in there um, people are welcome to jump on there have a look at all of the digital treasures that we've got there from the uh, the Phantom um, history and past and whatever um, download those enjoy those and uh, and have those for yourselves so um, before we sign off um, obviously if you if you've enjoyed this if you enjoy the Phantom um, please subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcast podcast app are uh, there's so many of them now it's it's hard to identify but uh, wherever you're listening to this i'm sure they've got a subscribe button too so um uh, hit that one and um you'll you'll hear us whenever we come out we're not regular podcasters we don't come out every thursday or tuesday or every the second friday of the month or whatever it is we've got no rhyme or rhythm to what we do um, because we do it when we can, as best as we can. So um, if you if you want to subscribe, that's the best way to make sure that you don't miss an episode. Exactly. Boy, the uh, outro is as long as the whole podcast. <laughs> I, I really tried to rush through that one too. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Jim. That has been an absolute blast. Um, very insightful, and um, and if nothing else, has given us a list of um, people we need to try and chase up and get on the podcast. Yes, definitely. Uh, always, always a pleasure. Um, it was great fun. Uh, it was good to see that idea um, come to come to fruition. So um, yeah, until next time, mate. Happy fandoming. Yes, mate. You too. Happy fandoming. Phantom.